When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the program. It is day three of SEC Media Days as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame. We've got a lot on the docket to get to today. So throughout the day, not sure what's going to happen during this time. We're going to visit with David Tuckflip, the former Tennessee assistant coach now with the SEC. Also, Commissioner Greg Sankey will join us. And then Jay Phillips will talk about South Carolina football. So we've got a big show on tap when we already get it started. Mind you, it's brought to you in part by Bassey Lawn and Garden Man Alive. It's worth the drive. And don't forget about Files Automotive. We're right there on Callahan. It's very easy to find service, financing, or selection of your vehicle. Files Automotive is right there on Callahan. We'll take care of you. Joined by a very special guest. Very excited because we always like to talk rules this time of year. And we're joined by John McDade, the SEC coordinator of football officials. I was asking John before he came on about the background. It's it's pretty varied, John. You kind of go all over the place. I, I've, been, I've been to a few places. Uh, and, and when I was hired on as a coordinator of the SEC, I think it's fair to say that, that Greg Sankey and others were happy that I don't come from the southeastern footprint. I didn't attend any of this, the SEC schools. Uh, I'm an outsider and uh, um, I, I hopefully seen as a, uh, an unbiased uh, uh, leader of uh, our officiating program. Is that a benefit to to be there, to, to be outside of the realm, so to speak? Well, let's say you, Tennessee is playing Georgia, and they know that the coordinator of football officials was a Georgia uh, graduate. You know, would, would, would Knoxville be happy to, to hear about that? That's fair. That's fair. So one of the things that's been a topic of conversation, and I know it, it struck at the heart of the conference with the Tennessee Ole Miss game, has been the the injury issue in terms of listen, I don't want anybody to play hurt, but there seemed to be some times where maybe cramping was very timely, to say the least. Um, what, what's your what are your thoughts on that? What can be done to address that, or does anything need to be done? Um, very good questions. The, the first thing I'll say is the uh, caretakers of the game, the, the rules committee, has spent at least the last four consecutive off seasons looking at the playing rules. And, and, and looking for how the playing rules may be modified to address feigned injuries. And they haven't come up with anything. And I, I've been privy to some of the things that they talked about. And I, I understand why they haven't come up with anything, because um, any of the ideas either um, put student athletes potentially in more harm's way. And I'll give you an example. The snapper, the center on your offense gets hurt. 
and um, he doesn't. If the rule was changed so that he needs to stay out more than one play, let's see, say he needs to stay out the rest of the possession or ten plays or whatever the case may be, he may keep himself in the game. Right. And now he's putting himself in more harm's way because he knows he's hurt already, but he doesn't want to come out of the game. Other proposals I've heard just, in, in my opinion, detract from the game too much. It, it changes the feel and look of the game too much to combat it. So this is where I am today to answer your question. If the playing rules cannot address the issue, then by association, it's not an officiating issue. Um, and I, I think that's correct as well. Uh, our football officials are not trained medical professionals. They should not be put in the position of trying to determine the legitimacy uh, of an injury. And um, it needs to be solved some way other than in the playing rules and therefore officiating because we've looked at it very hard for at least four off seasons now. We haven't come up with, with, with a solution. So if, if it's outside of your realm, and I understand that, who addresses it? Who are the rest of the stakeholders in the games? They would be the schools and the conferences. Okay, well, but you do work for the conference. So, I mean, who in the conference? Is there anybody that's assigned to something like that? There is not. Okay. There is not. So, at this point, it would be up to the schools to kind of legislate themselves. Yes. Do you know, and I know Amanda wants to jump in here, but do you have a feeling for, you've officiated how many games? Thousands? Uh, well over 200 Okay, at the Division One level. Okay. So to, do you have a feeling for when a player is just kind of slowing down the pace? In the back of your head, do you have a, a thought? The, the tempo of the game today is such that um, typically our official doesn't actually see the moment they go down, right, because they're doing something. The play is ended. Um, we have substitutions going on on the offense. We're trying to take care of substitution mechanics. We're trying to – count 11 players or whatnot. And a lot of times our officials don't see the moment the player goes down. When you see it on TV, that's like one of your key, key signals of like, hmm, that, that seems suspicious. It does cross their minds every once in a while once they recognize that a player's down and we have what is considered an official's timeout for injury, uh, that the the timing of it, you know, it, it, it strikes in, in their mind. But again, we are very adamant with our officials. They are not to get into determining whether or not it's a legitimate injury. If a player goes down is not ready to play for the next snap, that player's injured, and we're going to stop the clock and we're going to get attention to them and get them off the field. So I know you've probably been uh, asked about targeting multiple times and kickoff returns and, and things of that nature. What more can we do about the targeting rules, whereas – I, I know it's right now it's kind of up to the discretion of the official, whether they're leading with the crown of the helmet or they're, you know, jumping off or what have you. Is there anything else we can do to possibly like hone in on that? If that makes sense? No, it, it does, Amanda. It's um, there is subjectivity into how we've defined targeting. Um, let's go back to when targeting was put in the game. Uh, certain actions by the players, um, were determined to be such that they are most likely to have the highest probability of putting a player or players in a position of having catastrophic injury. And we need to get that out of the game. And that's how we originally defined what targeting was. The definition of targeting evolved. Um, the application of replay into the process to confirm the targeting, that, that was added after the fact as well. That was part of the evolution of what we're doing with targeting. I can say, Amanda, that where it is today, um, and it, and at least for the last three or four years, the definition of what is targeting hasn't really changed. And it 
at least in my conversations with the teams with inside the conference, it's accepted. Also nationally, I have conversations with my peers, right? People understand the definition of targeting. They understand the why. They agree that it's a safety issue that needs to come out of the game. Where the angst still remains is the penalty. Yes. All right, now we have targeting. Um, it's one of the more draconian. It's probably the most draconian penalty we have in the rule book, right? Um, you're going to have an automatic game disqualification. And if it's in the second half of the game, we're going to have a carryover to the first half. That is probably the where the most angst is, is the fact that we have a carryover where a, a student athlete is not able to participate in the first half of the next game. Is that able to be changed? Are you discussing it? What we added this year is a, a conference on behalf of a team can appeal to the national coordinator of football officials, Mr. Steve Shaw, for any second-half targeting um, for the purposes of um, uh, retracting the carryover first-half uh, game suspension. And if Mr. Steve Shaw reviews video and, and believes that it's clearly obvious – and those are key words, clearly obvious that a tar targeting was not in the game. The conference has the ability to remove the first half carryover uh, uh, disqualification of, of the player. As far as the – I want to go back to the Tennessee game. Um, you have French's mustard being thrown out there, golf balls and, and all that stuff. I know that what led to that is outside of your realm of jurisdiction – However, at what point do you, if something like that happens, do you pull the officials for their safety? And, and if we get to the point, we're not just talking about the officials, we're talking about the team. Yes, um, everybody. That, that scenario was was really close to, to that point. Um, when, when that that situation, um, when it got to the point where the game was suspended because of what was going on, I was in communication with the referee that night um, on the sideline, and I asked him, I said, is the Ole Miss team in, 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 in harm's way? And uh, what I was told is that they were able to get away from the sideline. They have game management um, dealing with the situation that um, the head coach at Ole Miss at that point in time was comfortable that his players being on the field and that, that the situation was being taken care of. If the answer was different, we would have pulled them off the field. We wouldn't have terminated the game, right? We wouldn't have created a forfeit or anything else like that. We just would have simply suspended the game just as if we had lightning in the area. And then when things were restored, we would have brought them back out on the field and, and continued the game. Was that your call or was that the official that was there at the stadium? In concert. Okay. So you know, mean, it's, it's, it's a rare situation. It's, you know, we don't have a lot yeah. of, as officials, a lot of re rehearsal or practice with dealing with even a weather delay. Um, it, it, it's, it, it, I, we, we did it in concert. How close was that? To, you said close. I mean, how close were we talking with where you were almost about to pull everybody I was only uh, I'm in the video center in Birmingham. So my um, my recollection um, of what was going on was just simply what was being broadcast across TV. Um, I kept asking, I says, look, it's obvious things are being thrown onto the field. Are we sure that the team is out of harm's way? And I was I was told that they were. Um, if we had if we had fans coming onto the field, that would be the moment when we said, all right, we need to get we need okay. to get the teams off the field. How do you think that's preventable in the future? I, it's a game management issue. I, I don't want to go there, Amanda. It, it's just not fair to the folks that work really hard at each one of our 14 uh, members, um, you know, working on game management issue. You know, it's I, I, one thing I do remember about that night is just the opening kickoff and just how great Neyland Stadium looked uh, with that, that capacity crowd. 
and unfortunately, the game at the end, we're dealing with that issue. But um, that's the only thing I tell my officials. Um, when that happens, you need to think about the teams and the safety, but it's a game management issue. We're not going to get – it's not an officiating issue. We're not going to create penalties out of something like that or anything else. Do you think it's a school issue? A university issue to address things like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, Commissioner Sankey's come out and and you know uh, worked with um, uh, the athletic director Danny White, and um, you know Tennessee knows that it needs to do better with game management. We've had scenarios um, at other schools at other times, not just in football, where you know the the, the schools understand what their responsibilities are for game management. Great stuff. I uh, certainly appreciate it. Um, I would like to sit in that room with you one day and just uh, just be a fly on the wall and watch. There is a sign on the door of that 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 room that says no no visitors without yeah without no media allowed. There's no credential for that. that <laughs> I can imagine it is. A, you would enjoy it though. I would tell you that. I, it's, I, it's I wouldn't say room. a word. I would keep everything quiet. <laughs> John McDade, excuse me, John McDade, the coordinator of football officials for the SEC. We appreciate the time. Thank Absolutely. you, sir. Absolutely, I enjoyed it. That was good stuff. Yeah, enjoy the um, football season the rest of the week for SEC media days. Yeah, you Thank too. You it's much. been a it's been a wild one to say the least. So we appreciate it, John. I, that is, he brings up a great point. I, I've, I feel for the officials. I mean, how do you, I can tell you without a doubt that people on the field playing that game believe that Ole Miss was faking injuries. It wasn't just a cool thing to say, okay? And I think the officials knew it too, but Amanda, what do you say? What do you do? I don't know if there's anything you can say. Is there anything that you, you can do unless it happens multiple times over several games? If it happens multiple times over several games, then there's then that's when you have to address the issue. I remember when Notre Dame played Georgia, and literally one of the players, I think, put his hand on Stetson Bennett's shoulder. I believe that's who it was. It was mm-hmm. Georgia's quarterback put his hand on his shoulder and Stetson or whoever it was shrugged him off and the guy fell down, like oh. fell down like he was hurt. So things like that, that are obvious, that's a, that's a different thing, but unless it happens multiple times, there's nothing you can do about it. Let's go ahead and drop that camera. As I tell you something about big orange uh, Phillies, big orange Phillies has the quick bites. They know it's tough to get out of the office for a long lunch. They're good at, getting you quality food fast. You can grab something cold from the fridge or order hot food from the counter. Casual shouldn't mean stale food options. Great taste is the name of the game at Big Orange Phillies. That's where you need to be. Big Orange Phillies also has darts, billiards, live entertainment, and karaoke. Well, you kind of put it on him there. You kind of grilled him a little bit. I didn't grill him. I I thought you grilled him. No, it's just I think it's stuff that people want to know. I mean, that's that's stuff that you want to know is – you know, if there are no rules, and, and there are rules, but if there are no consequences to the rules, and I think there were like financial consequences. But how do you make that safer? How do you make it a, a safer environment for the players and, unfortunately, the coaches? I think you want to be incredibly nice about it, but I think he basically was saying that ultimately, this is on the University of Tennessee. They let too much get okay. away. Uh, I think that he didn't want to say that. But I think that's pretty much I think, yeah. what he was saying. That's why I brought it. That's why I was like, is it well, on the university? But this is not something that you can kind of let go. Because let's say with the cowbells, you kind of let that go. It's a neat tradition. I get that, Amanda. But you can't just let throwing stuff on the field go. 
No, you can't. And if you're if you're Tennessee, you you have to do something about that. It's it's your place. It's your stadium. You have to do something differently. Like you you have to address that and you have to make sure that the people who who do that thing are held responsible and and that it's, you know, it's not something that they'll tolerate. Our friends at Craft Treats have exactly what you need for your pet that has anxiety. Boy, you can have anxiety here at SEC Media Days, day three, as we'll get uh, Georgia uh, today. So we've already had some fans outside that are excited about the Bulldogs, although it's a pro town. It's not like Alabama where they're uh, backed up. I've needed some Craft Treats at times uh, amongst those Alabama fans that are dying for an autograph while I'm trying to get my interviews. Amanda rolls her eyes. Uh, but with craft treats, you can go with the cannabinoids that increase the benefits of uh, CBD. It's minor cannabinoids. Uh, they treat situational anxiety, storm anxiety, and car rod anxiety. So Georgia, one of the teams that is going to be here. Your thoughts on the Bulldogs. I, I think it's a natural because of the rest of the SEC East that they'll be picked to be tops in the east amanda however i don't i don't think it's a just foregone conclusion that they're the dominant team anymore as a matter of fact i like alabama's roster a lot more i do as well i don't ever want to like when it comes to betting you don't you don't bet on the heart you don't bet on on you know where home is for you. So I don't ever want to say something and like Alabama's going to be great. And we're, they're going to win it all because I don't know if that's going to happen. It's wishful thinking on a part of any fan. Georgia this year, I don't think they come out of the SEC East unscathed. I really don't. I don't know who, who they'll fall to, but I think it's somebody. They're going to fall to somebody this year in the East. Uh, in the East, mm-hmm. I mean, Tennessee would be probably the most likely opponent. When when you look at Georgia's schedule, I mean, do they fall to somebody? I just don't feel like that any of the teams in the East are ready to beat them. Now, I think there are three that are within a year or two, which would be Kentucky, which would be Florida, and Tennessee. So if that happens prematurely, Certainly, we're having the same conversation. They do open uh, hosting Oregon and then Samford, and then they play South Carolina as they open SEC play, host Kent State, and then Georgia will travel to Missouri and ask them why they're in the SEC still. Uh, Auburn uh, will travel to Georgia on October the 8th. Uh, Auburn will be here today as well, by the way. And then you have um, Vanderbilt. On the 15th, Florida would be the 29th. Now, that's the game in Jacksonville, of course, that we're not allowed to call the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And then uh, Tennessee will be, be at Athens uh, the first weekend in November, and then Mississippi State, uh, Kentucky, uh, both on the road and then home for their finale against the Georgia Tech and probably, you would think, an SEC championship game. So you think they lose a game, but you don't necessarily think they lose the East. So we do our ballots today. Are you picking? I feel I. They'll lose a game. I think I don't think they're going to go their entire season unscathed. I think they will lose to an SEC East opponent. Now, do I think they'll lose the East completely? No, I think that everybody else in the SEC East will drop one at least. Okay. 
Could be. We shall see. The mattress place is where you need to go for 30 to 70% off every day. How about veteran owned by a Marine Corps? that I know happens to be Steve Grossard. So check him out. And uh, it's no gimmicks. It's 30 to 70% off each and every day. They've got next day delivery and financing that's available. Always uh, special discounts for veterans, police, senior students, open seven days a week. Coming up, today's tough question. With Amanda LaFrada, I'm Dave Hooker. We're live at SEC Media Days. This is a presentation of Off Dogs Sports. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. This is Al's Dish Barbecue Supplies, so come on in and see all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed, we have plenty of help, so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food, and we'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, but Chattanooga goes to grill. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vassie Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassie, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Vassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Vassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Welcome back. We are back as with Amanda LaFrada. I'm Dave Hooker. A little bit of a delay on my end. It's been a fun week of technical issues that included me spilling a diet Dr. Pepper into my computer. So we apologize for some of those issues, but we're up and rolling now and uh, good to go. So Georgia in town, you and I agree that I'm going to say they lose an SEC game, but you think they lose an SEC East game. I think they lose an SEC East game. I think this year is the year that they lose one. Who beats them? If it's not Florida, um, if it's not Florida right out of the gate, they're going to get beat up, I think, a little bit by Florida, and then Tennessee will take it. Okay, so what team is most likely to beat Georgia out of the SEC East? Do you want that to be today's tough question? Yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so tell me why you think it will be whom? Why I think it will be... Whom? Who do you think will beat Georgia and why? I think it'll be Tennessee. And I'm not saying that because that's what I would like to happen. I think Tennessee can do it. 
just based on who Georgia has before them and in the time of the year that they have them. So normally around that time, you know, you're facing injuries. You're facing uh, uh, problems probably more likely on your on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Tennessee's offense is pretty dynamic this season and can take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, I think Tennessee's offense is very good. I just don't see how you lose like half a draft class like for or excuse me, Georgia lost and expect to just come back and be as, as good as you were. That's the thing that befuddles me, Amanda. It just seems like now if 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 Kirby Smart, in all fairness, if they go undefeated in the regular season, they make it to the SEC championship game. Of course, if they win another one, the, another national championship, you would say that's as established as Alabama if they win two national titles. What would what would convince you that Georgia has the type of depth that Alabama has to lose a bunch of players and still be right back in the championship contention? What would what would convince you that they are at that level or could anything other than a national championship convince you? So let's say they run the table and lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, still play well in the bowl game, maybe even make the playoffs, lose to Alabama again even. But they're close games. To me, that says that Georgia has the depth to compete year in and year out. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you have to do it more than just once, though. Agreed. Next season – or this season, if they if they go out and they lose to Alabama in the say in the championship game, or they lose to <clears throat> whoever else, then I don't think it's necessarily that they have proven that they have the depth. I think they have to do the, do this a couple of more years just to to say, okay, now we see that they have the depth. Now we see that they can hang every year. They have to do it like Alabama does it, where they reload every year. You can't be <clears throat> and LSU, you know, winning the Natty and then turning around and having, I think, a losing record the next season? Oh, LSU was horrible. Um, I mean, that was the big, uh, you know, Edward Geron year that everything, he basically was the CEO and turned everything over to, um, uh, turned everything over to his coordinators. And then when they left, it was just big time trouble. It still stuns me. We were talking to Matt Moscano yesterday, and you can hear that interview on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're listening right now to get more content about the balls. But ultimately, Amanda, the that LSU team and the way they fell apart under Ed Orgeron or the way they were assembled, I don't even know which is more amazing. But the fact that he won a national championship – and Les Miles is not a great coach either. I mean, Matt Moscano brings up a great point. I could make a debate that LSU is the best job in the world. Absolutely. I could go down there and be the head coach. And out of you and I could win seven games. Yeah. And out of just the recruits that you get from around the school, like around in Louisiana, just those recruits, you could go out and you could win easily seven games. No, I think so. Some other uh, notes that we wanted to touch base on is uh, that they're going to have a a road course in Chicago. Okay, so I'm for this because I like open wheel racing and I like road courses, and I, I'm more of a fan of the road courses that they currently have at Watkins Glen and Sonoma than maybe some other NASCAR fans. 
So I think it's pretty cool. And I think NASCAR has to do things like this to separate themselves. They have to be promoters. They're not just going to be given you know, 160000 in Bristol anymore. And I think they have to fight for this. They have to fight for to be relevant, quite frankly. I think this is the wrong fight. You don't like this, Chicago? No. They're taking away Road America in Wisconsin, which is how how do you do that nascar how do you just take that away i don't i don't understand it that's that's a pastime chicago has enough problems they have enough problems you don't need to add nascar drivers through a weekend like it just shouldn't happen that's i don't understand it um i'm i'm interested to see what happens um you know on a much much smaller version they did a a classic car track in Chattanooga and that ended well I think they're still having it annually but the first one didn't go well because a, a support staff worker almost got killed when he got hit by a car so I mean there are obviously logistics in play that I, I think they'll take care of but one of my favorite things is watching uh, the, the, the some of the open wheel road races in downtown venues. I do enjoy that. So I think there's potential. I don't know if Chicago's the right place or not. Chicago's not the right place. Where would if you it's were not. to put a downtown road course, where would it be? I'd have to think on that one. But I just know it the last place I'd I'd pick would be Chicago. The very last place. The very last place. Well where? Detroit. Detroit would Detroit. be the the last place. The good thing if the car breaks down in Detroit, you just pull over and somebody can work on it. Owl's Nest Barbecue is nice enough to bring us your coverage of SEC Media Days. Owl's Nest Barbecue is right there in Ottawa, and they have all the supplies you need. I don't care if you're in Knoxville or you're in Chattanooga. Owl's Nest Barbecue has the wood pellets, the chips, the rubs. They have it all right there at Owl's Nest Barbecue, and right next to them is Steve Ray's Midnight Oil. They will take care of your vehicle. It is just that simple. So a couple of conversations we had, I wanted to look back on yesterday. And if you go to offthehooksports.com, you can kind of follow what we are following as well. And then we encourage you to go to YouTube and subscribe and uh, be sure and like this video because we're going to bring you much more throughout the day. And then tomorrow, Tennessee will be at the podium. So some takes that I had from the uh, day one or day two. This, we're on day three. Day two of SEC Media Days yesterday. They can't all run together. So a couple of things. Uh, from talking to the media, I feel firmly that Tennessee will be picked second in the SEC East. Doesn't mean they're going to be second in the SEC East, but that's just the feeling I get from talking to the media, Amanda. I think most everybody has said that. Most everyone we've talked to has said it's it's Georgia, then it's Tennessee, then it's a toss up between Florida and Kentucky, and that's that's where we sit right now. Yep. That's been the majority of everyone that we've spoken to. Uh, beating LSU and Baton Rouge, if Tennessee's able to do that, won't be that much of an upset. We talked to Matt Moscano, who you can hear again on our uh, YouTube or offthexports.com. We talked to him yesterday, and he covers ESPN as uh, covers LSU for ESPN Radio as well as anyone. And he thought it'd be about three points, three and a half, maybe four points. That's not a big upset. So whoever, whoever said that was going to be a monstrous upset to watch is is way off in my mind. 
people tend to say that because Death Valley is very hard to play in. That I know there's several Death Valleys, but LSU that's that's a hard place to play. It's it's loud. It's obnoxious. It's you know. I don't even know if this, the altitude thing is an issue, but that's a difficult place to play. So anytime you go in, you know, to LSU and you lose and you, or you win and you walk away, you know, victorious after the last, I guess, teams we've seen from LSU for the last 15 years, besides last year, that's always considered, I feel like kind of an upset for LSU. Even if you're Alabama or you're Auburn or you're whoever, you go into LSU and you, you beat them, that's, that's still a pretty big thing. No, I agree. I mean, I think it's a big thing. I think it's significant. I think if you look at the rosters and what they did last year and the fact there's a coaching change, there's always a transition. I don't think it's like a monstrous upset. I don't think it's a 10-point favorite where Tennessee goes down there and it's the lead story on uh, college game day. No. I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a significant win that gets some – notice for sure for the Vols, but I don't believe it's one of those that you say, oh, you hang your hat on the whole season. No, it's not Vanderbilt upsetting Georgia or anything like that. I mean, it's not like, hold the phone, everybody. You know, da-da-da, here we are. Tennessee upsets LSU. I think it's more of an expected thing than it is it would be an upset. I think it's going to be a close game, but either way it comes out, people are going to say, hmm, seems about right. Yeah, I mean, unless it's really one-sided, um, but I don't think that'll happen. I do think there's going to be an expanded playoff. We had this discussion with Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, and he didn't – it seemed like a matter of when, not if. I mean, they talked about four years on the current contract. So I think you're going to have eight or 12 teams pretty soon. Amanda, the, the one thing that people will complain about – because the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world have been so good, is you're going to have blowouts before you have an actual good game, so to speak. But that didn't bother Bill Hancock at all. He was like, that's just going to happen. And in a way, he's right. I mean, Alabama and is not always going to be as dominant as they are. I do think the SEC, though, has, has an advantage over everybody because of the way the South feels about football. I agree with that. The one thing that I we didn't address, and I feel like it would be, uh, it's important, is that I think the blowouts are going to stop with this NIL. I think that people like your Cincinnati's and stuff like that aren't going to be able to compete anymore. They're not going to be up there. They're not going to win so many games, or it's not going to look so impressive because you're going to have big time schools paying not the schools, but allegedly you know, with these NIL deals, having people come in, you know, and, and Cincinnati schools like that aren't going to be able to compete with that. As you might imagine, uh, what team in the SEC East will beat Georgia this season is overwhelmingly Tennessee, uh, 90% because my Twitter followers know me and they follow me for a reason. Uh, Kentucky and Florida are tied at 4.5%. So we might tweak that than other than Tennessee who can beat Georgia in the SEC East. So we'll take a look at that. And uh, lastly, the thing that I wanted to bring up is something that probably should make 
um, all SEC fans cringe a little bit, and that is the fact that Nick Saban could feel like this NIL and transfer portal is a new challenge and get reinvigorated or rejuvenated, whatever the word you want to use. Uh, if that's the case and he's got five more years in him, he's going to win two or three more championships. Let's hope so. Um, well, for my sake. But I don't see it happening. I, I know we've heard from people saying that this is a, a you know, rejuvenation from, from Nick Saban and the NIL is something that he's going to see as a challenge. I think it's a challenge he doesn't want to face. All the coaches out there will say we love the NIL, we you know support it, all this stuff, and and I think they do support it to an extent. I think it's supported by what it was intended to be for: is the players get out there, they spend you know their blood, sweat, and tears on the field, and you give them not compensation, but kind of like a bonus for it. You give them something that will make them you know, strive to be better or get them to the next step. Now it's being used as a recruiting ploy. And that's not something, as we've seen, Nick Saban's going to stand for. Yeah, we uh, and we haven't talked about a lot, but this live tour in golf is uh, absolutely overtaking the PGA Tour. They started by taking a, a bunch of guys that are middle-aged and paying them $200 million to be 20 over par. But they were named guys, guys that, Casual fans like I tuned in to watch. Now Henrik Stenson will no longer serve as the European captain at the 2023 Ryder Cup in Rome. Sources confirming to ESPN he is preparing to join the Live Tour, a Live Golf, and the Live Tour. So Pat Faraday also will be a commentator there. He's immensely popular and very entertaining. So this is much. I've compared this to the USFL because I thought the USFL had it not been for Donald Trump getting involved and trying to make it too big, too fast. I really thought that they had a chance to compete at the time with the NFL being in the spring. This is getting bigger than the USFL threat to me. This to me is a threat that now this is before my time, but the old ABA in the seventies, they, they were, they were the conference that we're going to take on the NBA. You know, the ABA had the different colored balls and all that. And um, so, I mean, they eventually had to absorb some of those teams into the NBA. But, I mean, this has a feel like they're, they're a real threat, Amanda. I don't think there's any question. You have unlimited money. You have unlimited Literally. money to do whatever you want to with. And at, at a point, I mean, this is a human race. We know it what runs the world is money. So you've unlimited money. You can buy people just at Phil Mickelson at 200 million. And he's not worth 200 million. There's no way. How old is he? It's 42. I believe maybe 45. I don't think so. I think he's older. I think he might be 52. I don't think he's 52. I'm pretty sure. See that old. He's old. The over under on Phil Mickelson's age. I'm going to put it at, he's 52. You're right. Oh, wow. You nailed it. Yes. I knew he was older. old like me. He was older than 50. But they're paying just Phil Mickelson $200 million just to play in this tour. You know, the sad part, too, is it's it's so short-sighted. Because if you think long-term, guys like Arnold Palmer still make millions in endorsements. And and he's going to lose out on that. So he may get his $200 million check now. 
but he could have gotten that $200 million spread over the next 20 years of his life just hobbling around out there, walking around the Masters. Phil, Phil Mickelson is not Arnold Palmer. No, but the money's, I'm not, that's not my point at all, but the money is still out there. You're still going to get endorsement money. Not as much. I would rather have my integrity for a hundred million than sell out to Saudi Arabia for two hundred million. As would I, but Phil does not feel that way. No, he doesn't. And there's a lot of golfers that uh, agree with him. And I don't. I don't believe that his arthritis medication commercial is going to pay him two hundred million dollars. No. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's more money immediately. But I still believe that he's being extremely short-sighted. I would think of it as to be an ambassador to the game. Now he has some issues with the PGA Tour that go way deeper than that. So I don't know what all those are. He hasn't spoken publicly about it. But um, okay, so we're going to reset today's tough question. We're going to make it just Kentucky or Florida because Tennessee's taking over. You have to put South Carolina in there then. Okay, I like it. Shane Beamer, you have to put South Carolina in there. You can put Missouri in there as well. I know you hate Missouri. I get that. And I don't understand the hate for them because they were in the SEC championship in 2014. I don't hate them. I just don't feel – they don't feel like an SEC team to me, and their program is probably the worst facilities-wise except for Vanderbilt and the SEC. They're holding their own then. They I mean, beat Tennessee. Well, the, the East has been horrible. And beating Tennessee, nobody. Vanderbilt's beat Tennessee. Yes, but still, I, if you look at the teams in the East, comparatively speaking, Missouri's not at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not at the bottom of the barrel, no, because you always have Vanderbilt. But over time, if we, if we have this conversation in 2032, I will bet you they have the least number of victories other than Vanderbilt the next 10 years I mean, let's look at it since they joined the conference we're gonna look at it as simple as that quick break we'll reset the question and we'll do some math after this broadcasting live from hey folks gary viles here viles automotive on callahan drive i've been selling cars here in east tennessee for 27 years in that time i've come to realize it's not about the car it's about you the customer so i'm here to take care of you just like family Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. 
Thanks for the business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Welcome back as we broadcast live from the College Football Hall of Fame right here at SEC Media Days. It is day three. So, um, Amanda, what are your thoughts on SEC Media Days? A little wild and woolly? It's pretty crazy. It's pretty it's crazy. People walking around. I just saw Tim Tebow and getting coffee. So, I lost my light. How did I lose my light here? So you didn't plug it in. We had it plugged in. I'm not sure what happened. We had a great light there. How do I look now? Do I look like the dark night continually or a little bit better? No, you look fine. Okay, good. I'll take fine. Fine at my age, you will take it. Uh, City Heat and Air is nice enough to be a part of the program. and They bring you coverage of SEC Media Days. City Heating and Air Conditioning has been in business for over 50 years and city heating and air conditioning is about integrity. So they're not gonna come out and do the $49 service call or $29 service call or whatever it is, and tell you, hey, you need a new $5,000 unit. Not necessarily, you may, but you're gonna know with city heating and air conditioning that you are taken care of. So that's cityheatandair.com, cityheatandair.com. They also bring you the Vol Report, a conversation with uh, Cooper Mays coming up. So. Tennessee will be on the dais tomorrow at the podium, so to speak. Um, Amanda, we're, I'm, I'm working on a, a piece on Hendon Hooker, which will be on offhooksports.com uh, this afternoon or tomorrow. So check it out there. But um, I, um, I just, the more I hear about Hendon Hooker, the more impressed I am. And one of the stories we got was from Jacob Warren on our Vol Report, how he's actually roommates with um, Hendon Hooker when they travel to road games and that every Saturday morning he wakes up blasting gospel music and singing out loud and putting himself in the right frame of mind to make sure he's good with God, as um, Jacob put it, before a game, and you know, which can be dangerous. We sometimes leave that out because of what medical technology has been able to do, but uh, you can get very hurt. Um, in football. And I just thought that was a super cool story. How he wakes up, bounces out of bed, smile on his face and sing, singing gospel music. I bet there aren't a lot of, a lot of players like that. No, my, my dad's like that. Actually, he will sing gospel music all the time, but there's just a, that's a feel good story because even if regardless of how you feel about, you know, religion, God, what have you, you have a, a leader on your team that believes in something more than himself. And that's, that's rare nowadays. Yeah. And, um, a couple of, uh, of other stories that we'll get into is, uh, Cedric Tillman. Yeah. I, I not only think that he's going to be good this year in the sec and in college football, Amanda, I think he's going to be good at the NFL level. I think he has that sort of ability. And I think he's going to be another receiver that Tennessee will be able to point to. And 
and maybe just maybe they they start to inch closer to that wide receiver you that was it's what they used to be called but it's been a long long time since the alvin harpers and mcgee's of the world but um certainly a step in the right direction i think cedric tillman is a fantastic playmaker yeah i think they will have to uh, compete with Alabama for the wide receiver U category because that's yeah, been lately. yeah lately that's been Alabama's forte. It used to be, and I, well honestly it's really pretty much almost every position now. But it used to be mainly focused on defensive the defensive side of the ball. We you know Alabama wasn't really known for their offensive play up until you know the days of Jalen Hurts. Well, it, it felt like to me they were running back you for the longest time. Yes. Even even though they didn't do a great job in the NFL necessarily uh, in, in every instance, they felt like they were putting out a Heisman Trophy top running back every year there for a while. There's success in the NFL. You had Mark Ingram for the Saints. You have Derrick Henry. You have uh, Josh Jacobs out there. Kenyon Drake. I mean, he's not necessarily. Kenyon Drake? He's so good. He's okay. Okay, but he's there. He's making it. The the ones you're looking at that were NFL failures, it's really like the Trent Richardsons yes. and the Eddie Lacy's. Well, I mean, that's that's enough to be inconsistent. If we're that's talking two people. Two out of how many running backs are playing in the NFL from Alabama? There's Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake. Who am I leaving out? I know I'm leaving out a couple more people. I maybe can't remember, I'm maybe I'm putting too much on Richardson then. Trent and Eddie are the two that were nah, not so great, but Eddie was actually okay for the Packers for a little bit. I remember he just that. Gained some weight and started rolling around. Just rolling around on the ground like he well, was injured in the Ole Miss Tennessee game. You know it happens. Notre Dame did the same thing, so I'm just saying. All right, uh, so throughout the day, we're going to have updates on YouTube as we continue to knock out interviews with the insiders at SEC Media Days, coaches, players, and more. So subscribe and like this video so you will get more and more and more. So we've got a ton going up today. We call it the, like the big video dump, I guess, of day three of uh, 2022 at SEC Media Days. I uh, want to remind you that we will be here tomorrow as well, and tomorrow is Tennessee's day, so the balls will be in town. Live from Atlanta with Amanda LaFrada, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Oak Sports.